Hello there, this is Dwayne McCurry. I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible, and today I'm joined by Mike Livingston. Mike, thanks for being with us today. Honored to be here. Today we're looking at session 10, which is our fourth study out of the book of 2 Timothy. We're looking at basically Paul's last written words that we know of. This session is going to be looking at persecution and enduring persecution. In chapter 3, verses 12 and following, Paul explains that every believer will be persecuted in some way. He also stated that this persecution will gain momentum over time. He challenges Timothy to remain faithful to Jesus regardless of what he may face. He reminded Timothy that the Scripture provides all that a believer needs to be equipped to be used by God. In chapter 4, Paul challenges Timothy to be faithful to preaching the gospel. Paul warned that some would rather hear a pleasing message, but Timothy must remain faithful to delivering the whole gospel. Paul called on Timothy to remain faithful to Christ. He pointed to himself as an example, knowing that he would be put to death for his faith in Christ. Paul announced his resolve to finish his life well, knowing that eternity with the Lord lay beyond his execution. Like I said, this whole section is about enduring persecution. Um, Mike, one question that, that may come up when uh, teaching this lesson is, what's the difference between oppression and persecution? I, I think there's clearly a difference between oppression in the form of opposition and full-blown, high-level persecution. The, the, perhaps the difference is one of degree because both stem from a hostility toward followers of Christ. There, there's a Christian organization called Open Doors that supports persecuted believers around the world. And they define Christian persecution as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Christ. And that hostility can take many forms. It can come from many different sources. It can come from society as a whole, from the government, from individuals or families. It can be physical or psychological, it can be actual or merely threatened. So the source is immaterial. Correct. And in, in their most recent report, dated uh, 2019, Open Doors says more than 245 million Christians are enduring high to extreme persecution today. And you can find their report on their website, opendoorsusa.org. And these, these high levels of persecution include abduction, imprisonment, beatings, torture, rape, church buildings being attacked and destroyed. And that, that's the cost of following Jesus in some parts of the world today. So yes, there's a distinction that can be made between discrimination and intolerance toward Christians on, on one hand, and the high-level persecution that involves torture and the martyrdom of Christians in other parts of the world. But it's all a byproduct of following Jesus. According to the scripture, we should expect that, shouldn't be surprised by it. Okay. Paul encouraged Timothy uh, to be faithful no matter what, and he pointed to the scripture as a source of being equipped for any persecution or oppression that they face. One of the ideas in the, the group plans is for us to create a team of people, small teams, and, and it says a person can be a team. Uh, and then instruct, the, instruct those groups to review the information about verses 16 and 17 in chapter 3 and discover four essential elements or uh, areas that made Scripture sufficient 
and it's obviously talking about for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. One of the things that may come up is how those four actions in chapter 3, verse 16 are different. Well, let, let me borrow from Warren Wearsby's commentary on 2 Timothy. Here's what he says about it. That Scripture is profitable for teaching what is right, rebuking what is not right, correction is how you get right, and training in righteousness is how to stay right. Uh, now, to go a little bit more in depth on each of those, an interesting fact about the word teaching is that Paul uses that word teaching 15 times in the pastoral, the three pastoral letters. And in the rest of the New Testament, you find that word only six times in the whole rest of the New Testament. Of course, that's because of the heavy problem of heresy or the, or the um, serious problem of heresy in, in Ephesus and in Crete. So Paul was emphasizing the importance of sound teaching. And this word for teaching refers to the content of what's taught. And it's not, not the process of teaching itself, but the content. So Paul means here that Scripture is the source of all Christian teaching and instruction. It's the source of our doctrine. And then the second word, rebuking, means uh, the word means a rebuke that exposes error, either the error of false teachers or sin in our, in our personal lives. And if rebuking shows us what's wrong in our lives, then the term correcting means that Scripture shows us how to set things right and get back on the right path. And then that, that last, that fourth term, training in righteousness, actually translates a term that comes from the Greek word for child, and it meant the rearing of a child. It's the same word Paul used in Ephesians 6, 4 when he talked about bringing up and training a child. So here it, it has the meaning that, that Scripture trains us to live holy lives. Paul moves on from, from there and reminds Timothy that he needs to preach the gospel. He's got to be equipping not just himself but other people to face his persecution. And in that context, Paul in chapter 4, verse 6, says that he was being a drink offering. How was Paul's death an offering of this nature? Well, a drink offering was an Old Testament sacrifice that actually predated the law, predated the tabernacle. You first see it in Scripture in Genesis 35 at Bethel where Jacob set up a stone marker and he poured a drink offering on it and anointed it with oil. And then later the drink offering became a part of worship in the tabernacle and later in the temple. You can read about it in places like Numbers 15. The drink offering would normally accompany a burnt offering. Uh, a priest would sacrifice a lamb or a, a ram on the altar and then he would pour wine at, at the base of that altar. It was a free will offering. It was freely given to God as an act of worship. And it symbolized the, the dedication of the worshiper to God. So for Paul to use this, um, he, it, it symbolized for Paul the, the pouring out of his life for God. Uh, in, in this verse, he's, he's describing his impending death. He's using this Old Testament sacrificial language. He knew the end of his life was near. And so he, he sees himself as laying down his life for the sake of the gospel. In effect, Paul was saying, Caesar is not going to kill me. I'm freely giving my life as a sacrifice for Christ. Now, there are some commentators who think that Paul, by using 
this this image of the, of the drink offering was referring to the type of death he expected to die. Because Roman citizens could not be crucified, Paul knew he would likely be beheaded and literally pour out his blood for the Lord. Here's Paul's last written words, and he has this emphasis on the trustworthy, trustworthiness of Scripture and persecution. How do those two things fit together? Well, it does seem that Paul is tying these two themes together. In this, in this lesson passage, he moves from the inevitability of persecution to the trustworthiness of Scripture to a reminder that people will become increasingly intolerant of truth back to his impending death for the sake of the gospel. The persecution of Christians and intolerance of biblical truth are not two unrelated things. If, persecu- if, if Christians are persecuted, it's because truth is under attack. And without a doubt, the cost of standing for and living by the truth of Scripture will grow more and more costly. But it's our conviction of the truthfulness and faithfulness of God's Word that moves us to stand firm in the truth and to courageously engage the world with the truth of the gospel. There, there's a a difference in standing up for something you feel is right versus standing up for something you know is right. Correct. And confidence in Scripture, knowing what the Bible says and teaches, gives us that confidence to face persecution, knowing that there's something else on the other side. Yes. Mike, thank you for taking the time to, to go over those ideas with us today. We have, for the past 10 weeks, been looking at Paul's letters to Timothy, we've looked at being entrusted with the gospel, uh, being mindful of how we represent God in this world. We've looked at what it means to be a godly leader and the requirements that uh, were there for pastors and deacons. We've looked at being nourished on God's word, taking care of others, including widows and ministers, church's responsibility there. Uh, We've talked about our motivation as well of living a godly life. remaining confident in Christ in all circumstances, finding strength uh, when we focus on God's grace and the gospel. We've looked at believers finding truth and direction by studying God's word, and now we've looked at this idea that we must remain faithful to God's truth even when facing persecution. Those are the a quick summary of the last 10 weeks. Next week, we'll be moving on to Titus and begin taking a look at truths from that, that letter from Paul to his young protege.